Hello, and welcome to You Should See the Other Guy, the podcast where we watch the most romantic movies of all time, such as Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, <laughs> and tell you why Steve I'm Martin sorry. and that other guy should have fallen deeply in love. I'm Jennifer. I am Samantha. And I am John Candy. How could you possibly forget my name? <laughs> Just kidding. I'm Sadie. <laughs> sorry, John Candy. This, movie, this is my first John Candy movie. It is what? structured like a rom-com, Jen. It is truly like a romance movie, it feels like. I I would make the case, sorry, coming out swing, that this is the most rom-com movie we have ever done on this rom-com podcast. Damn, a bold claim to start. But you know, I, I really did think that the two characters doth protest way too much in that one gay panic scene. And the ending of this movie yes. really was like, they are together now. Yes. Well, <laughs> well uh, now that we've wrapped that up. The, cue the ending music. <laughs> we figured I, I it have out. so much to say about it. Oh, I'm so excited to be talking about it with you all. Samantha, are you going oh, to summarize? Um, Sure. Uh, Steve Martin works for an ad agency, I think, and they're giving a pitch in New York and he needs to get home to his wife and multiple children in an idyllic suburban Chicago uh, in time for Thanksgiving. He goes to the airport after mishaps with a taxi cab. And basically, it's just like transportation keeps failing and he keeps finding himself thrust into close quarters with John Candy, who is less uptight and more friendly and more more Midwestern coded, I would say. And um, they try to get to Chicago together. And the whole time, Del Griffiths, is that is that John Candy's character's name? Yeah, Del. Yes, Del. Yeah. I do believe. Del Griffith. Dell is pretending as though he has a home and a happy life as a shower curtain ring salesman. And by the time Steve Martin finally gets home to Chicago and is about to see his wife and kids, he has rapturous flashbacks about the homosocial <laughs> intimacy he has shared with John Candy and realizes that John Candy must have been lying about actually having a wife and a home or something he, he becomes poirot all of a sudden <laughs> and pieces it together so he runs he back to the- his character in um uh our only murders in the building <laughs> yes so he runs back to the l station that he left john candy at and is like you're gonna come to my thanksgiving dinner pal and they walk in the door and i mean this is what i'm bursting to talk about they walk in the door <laughs> And he's like introducing Dell to his family. And Steve Martin's wife is like crying for some reason. Dude, she is miserable. Like she and Steve Martin clearly do not need to be together. That was like her letting him go at the end. Right? Right? Is that how you interpreted that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I felt it like mourning the end of the marriage or something of like, yeah, I see that you finally brought home a man (laughs) after years of talking about it. (laughs) You finally just (laughs) Literally, she like, (laughs) she looks like she's in the throes of a breakup, like facial expressions wise. 
she looks down the stairs and sees them and he's all like, honey, I'd like you to meet my friend, like Dell. And then she like starts crying and like embraces him in like a very non-sexual manner. Yeah, I think that that is like canonically, he and Dell are, that's it now. There's no other reason for her to be crying. Like, yes, he faced difficulty getting home, but like, hadn't he only been gone on a business trip for like two days or something? <laughs> like, what was, I don't know. Like, I, it, everything seemed so like, like, I know that it's, it feels high stakes when you're traveling, like, you know, but everything seemed so high stakes, like that initial phone call where like all like her and the children are sitting like with a, with like, it's, it feels like they're just sitting around their dinner table and there's like no other lights on and they're just like sitting there waiting for a phone call. I, I don't I. <laughs> It was just too much. She was like as serious as a heart attack the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. The wife needs to get a life of her own. Yeah. She needs to go on her own adventure. Jet skis. uh, uh, What are other modes of transportation? (laughs) This movie took all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, what it, it... Sadie... Are we're doing you suggested this, yes? I did suggest this. I <laughs> I love how it like this is one of those movies where you dislike both of the characters in different scenarios. Like there's what like there will be a moment where I'm like, Dell is the most annoying person I've ever seen in my entire life. And then in the next turn, I'm like, if Neil could just be a normal, decent human being for two seconds, he would already be home. And the fact that also I can, in some ways, blame neither of them, it's it's the perfect movie ever made. And also, um, as Samantha mentioned in our group chat, this movie is so Midwest. Like, I see this and I'm like, yes, this is my people. <laughs> Dell, <laughs> I've met five, I've met roughly 5,000 Dells in my lifetime, and I'll meet 5,000 more before I'm dead. Um <laughs> <laughs> and also the like there are I mean I, I won't say that Chicago is we there's it's obviously a different culture different vibe but I've also met 5,000 Neils in my lifetime and I'll meet 5,000 more um like I just love this this type of movie like everything goes wrong for them it is so infuriating and I think that what makes me think of this as a rom- a romantic movie is like it has so many parallels to Leap Year. <laughs> it and, does. Oh. And, and just and as idyllic a setting, too. And just as pastoral <laughs> <laughs> of scenery. <laughs> just as beautiful to look at. And and that's all I'll say about that for now. Um, Sadie, I have an important question for you. Between yes. Dell and Neil, who was more likely to be at the Capitol on January 6th? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Wait, 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 wait. Um, you know what? You know, you know, oh, you know what? Okay, 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 okay. Here's my thing. I think that Neil would believe in the cause more of storming the Capitol. Like, I think that he would be, (laughs) he would be a Trumper first. However, Neil is too, is too above it all. He's too rich. He wouldn't have actually wanted to be there. He's not going to put in, he's not going to try to scale a wall. He's not going to do that. 
He's going to be in the GOP's pockets, you know? Dell, while I do not think that he would ever want to side with anything that would alienate any group of people. And therefore, I don't think that he would stand by the messaging. I think that he would be, I feel like he would see other people doing it and be like, oh my god, this looks fun. (laughs) And he would just storm the Capitol without knowing why. So your answer is both. And that's my official (laughs) Yes. But but for very different reasons. I, I was going to go think. with Neil because I sort of lean Neil too, and I I suspect we've got yeah. similar reasons. Yeah, Dell like has a soul for one, and is concerned about he's he's very tied in with you know like the actual you know like the the actual like um, circumstances of blue collar workers everywhere and even though he's a little bit like you know he could be kind of too much and annoying and uh, you know have trouble reeling himself in in social situations but Dell is not stupid at all he's always way ahead of Neil on all the plans that I think Dell is going to be out there like trying to start like a DSA chapter or something in Chicago. And then it's going to be like an odd couple thing because they're going to be married by then. Right. And Dell is going to be like, Neil, honey, we can't vote for Trump. He wants to like illegalize gay marriage. And Neil's going to be like, yeah, but it's going to be better for my Roth IRA or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) (laughs) Not his Roth. I wonder what one of those is, you know? I wonder what a Roth IRA is. I don't know. Is. It sounded like a Retirement. good phrase to drop in there. <laughs> what a concept, oh my as uh, Natasha Leon would say. Um, I Well, I would go Neil because in my understanding, demographically, Trumpers are more likely to be well-off suburbanites than they are, or, or something yeah. like that, right? Like... Um, so yeah, I, I think Neil's going to be like worried about crime in the big cities and subsisting off the <laughs> diet of Fox news. If oh you fast God, forward he will. 40 years. That scene where he went off on that poor car rental employee who had nothing to do oh with his plight. Oh God. Like that guy, definitely he was going to vote for Trump. <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> It's so like at every step, truly, like Neil could have just so easily like helped himself get home, you know, like so easily. Also, very quickly, I have to mention um, John Candy fulfilled almost an identical role in Home Alone. Do you remember that when um, the mom is trying to get home and John Candy plays like the lead in a group of traveling musicians that are heading to Chicago and she gets in the back of his van and and he drives her to Chicago. (laughs) Casting agents just see John Candy and they're like, something about this guy. You can just tell he's terrible at travel. And also... In the hit movie Uncle Buck, um, while he, the character, does not himself travel, um, his brother goes off and travels, and he plays, like, the very, like, humble Midwestern uncle coming to, like, whip these spoiled city whippersnappers into shape. And it is a national treasure of a film. (laughs) You know, there was this whole micro boom of uh, 80s movies that's just, like, 
two pretty different guys trying to get from here to there. I mean, we still have road trip movies today. (laughs) There's like Midnight Run, if anyone remembers that. Yes. Um, And then the other day, this movie, I watched the Avatar 2 trailer, and the recommended trailer to watch after it was a, a movie that looked honestly like a fake movie from 30 Rock or something called Gone Fishing that had like Joe Pesci in it or something. And it was another like. Yeah, and it's the trailer was just like you've inflicted two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of property damage, like trying to drive <laughs> like <laughs> like two hundred miles together or something. <laughs> um, people just love that. They couldn't imagine anything at the time that was more funny than two different guys like crashing a car together into a ditch and being like, "What are we gonna do now? I hate your guts." <laughs> You know, I have to, this is entirely unrelated, but well, actually it's very related. Why did I say that? I'm a liar. Um, I was thinking of the, I guess this is a, it's not a remake, but it's like borrowing the same idea of planes, trains, automobiles, um, a PTA, if you will. (laughs) Um, And it's called Due Date. And it was made in 2010, starring Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis. Did I of you see that movie? Wasn't this like one of Robert Downey Jr.'s like first post like rehab image repair projects, right? Wasn't it like just before, just after Iron Man? It was just after, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it it's because in this one, it's Robert Downey Jr. needs to make it home for his wife who's about to give birth, and he meets this annoying guy, Zach Galifianakis, and then they have to get back together. It's literally the same concept, but and I haven't watched it in a while, and God willing, I'll never watch it again. Um, <laughs> because it is, it's, it is so indicative of like. The 80s were so good with movies and they knew how to create really funny moments without being just like fucking weird about it. But in this era, the 2010 Judd Apatow, the hangover era, everything is so fucking like gross for no reason. They have to heighten it. It can't just be them like driving between two trucks on the wrong way on the highway. One of them has to be like projectile vomiting at the same time while like yeah uh. yeah yeah oh you're so right that scene in in this movie where uh steve martin accidentally wa- he washes his face and then dries it off with john candy's underwear that is not on john candy's body at the time yeah it would have been we would have surely had to endure oh, something truly been, disgusting like, with shit and like, <laughs> <laughs> it would have been like the most horrific like mind melting thing ever and i mean again i can't remember anything about due date i do have the entirety of the planes trains and automobiles plot burned into my brain because it it just had it has such a good plot like it has beats and also like i also just remember due date and other movies of that time period being so needlessly misogynistic in a way that's like, like the 80s were better in, in at least like in cinema in a lot of respects. Like, it's just so, I don't know, some 
of some of the things that were made in like the mid like like the 20 the early early 2010s is like this is an actual crime against women everywhere <laughs> oh god it's true it's the ugly truth sadie the uh, god <laughs> the ugly truth it is yeah. the ugly truth it is. i would i so, do so immensely prefer the gentle misogyny of just having the woman be the sad crying wife who's almost completely off screen and like not spoken of over the ugly truth yeah. version of having to like, yeah, actually enact gross because, misogyny in front of your face multiple times. Because in this case, it ain't about her. <laughs> the love <laughs> story is all. here. It's, <laughs> it's in that car. It's in that shitty little airplane. It's on that bus. It's between Dell and Neil. And it ain't about her. It's not about misogyny. It's just, this ain't her story. This is the love story between her husband and some random guy <laughs> that he met. <laughs> and and as, as it should be and as God intended. <laughs> God herself intended. Jen, what did you think of planes, trains, and automotive vehicles? Well, it stressed the absolute fuck out of me because uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I am not a big fan of travel disasters, you know, and that's like the entirety of this movie pretty much. So yes, I was quite stressed out, but I did. I really enjoyed John Candy. Um, like Sadie said, they do take turns being the worst person in the world, uh, you know, sometimes in this movie, the two main characters, but Steve Martin, like as Neil, was so much more intensely dislikable in so many ways. He was so dismissive and mean to yes. to John Candy's character Dell. Just be like uh, he just perceived himself to be better, but. He could have solved all of his own problems with Dell so quickly if he would have just dropped his fucking passive aggression and just said what like, hey, man, I'm in, like, I'm in a really bad mood. Like, don't talk to me right now. Like, give me a minute. Like, you're, <laughs> because clearly like Dell responds to that. But when he would, you know, pull all these tricky little maneuvers, like trying to get away from him, you know, he just made Dell feel like shit and didn't really get himself anywhere. Um, Dell. I kind of loved him part of the times. Like I really sympathize with that. Like, I don't know, punctuating every statement with like an enormous, awkward, like hee haw of laughter, um, being prone to that myself. So I loved that in him. And when he was on his like upswings of brilliance, he really reminded me of one of my friends who kind of comes across like him is very just super friendly and wide open and weirdly somehow knows everybody named Gus in any given town and, you know, can figure out some way to get you from place to place, you know, like, <laughs> when, when disaster strikes. So I loved him in those moments, was truly appalled at when he threw the lit cigarette in the back of the car that led to it, you know, being lit on oh. fire before he drove them between the, the trucks on the wrong side of the highway that I did find that a bit distressing. Yeah, too much but cigarette <laughs> smoking in this movie in general for me. Yeah. <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> Not to be a dare commercial. <laughs> 
I don't know. Um, I mean, that was kind I, of a dare commercial. He threw the cigarette in the back, then his coat gets caught in the seatbelt, and he's stuck and can't grab the steering wheel, and like the car lights on fire. Like that's kind of one of those your brain on drugs commercials, right? There. I mean, it, it it is a comedy of errors, but but I think that <laughs> as frustrating as it is, I think that what makes this movie work is that they are both just kind of very unreasonable in different ways because Dell is so needlessly optimistic all the time to the point where it's like please can you just like be somber in this moment and take in the gravity of the situation and then Neil on the other hand literally just cannot stomach the thought of being nice to another person for five seconds so (laughs) like It's frustrating, but it's also like, I don't really care all that much because Dell seems like he's having a good time. Neil can get fucked. I'm just enjoying this for the fun that it is. So like Dell, I have my doubts that like he may perceive himself to be like a mundane human being, but I like, there is like a real read there that he is just like a spirit of chaos. Like he thinks he was married to a woman named Mary or whatever. I don't know. Somehow he gets linked up with Neil who clearly needs this somehow, because that's one of the most moving sequences in the film where Dell is talking to himself, like talking to his deceased wife, you know, in his mind, like, and he's saying these really nice things about Neil that like, like, oh, Dell, you know, you have like, I've got such a big mouth, like I meet somebody that I really enjoy his company. And, you know, then I, I go and screw it up. And like, wow, like either they are on a cosmic quest together is one explanation for this or, or both more likely. There is an extreme spark of sexual tension between these men because what in the fuck else does Dell like about Neil, honestly? And when Neil is like fantasizing about them cuddled up in the bed there before he goes back to get Dell at the end. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he thinks about his he- wife. And then immediately his thoughts jump to being cuddled up with Dell, and he prefers. Yeah, that. yeah. Dell is never leaving that house. That that woman upstairs, <laughs> she's leaving. <laughs> what Del is, is the children's new mommy? What is everyone's highest profile uh, uh, travel disaster uh, in your lifetime? Oh, I can offer two while we generate ideas. One, I was flying out of Atlanta several years ago on the only day ever that there was snow in Atlanta. (laughs) And I was at the airport for like an entire day, basically, before they were allowing flights out again. Like it didn't make sense to go back home because it was already so annoying to get there on the roads. And then, yeah, so that's one. And another one is I took a train ride from Seattle to LA thinking this would be an amazing, fun, whimsical Amtrak experience. Um, that's already an oxymoron and the locomotive like broken in Northern California and like delayed the trip for 10 hours. And, and I didn't have a sleeper car. I thought, oh, it's 30 hours. I can do that. Like I can rough that in like just a coach seat and take, take a whore's bath, you know, um, as they say. And, uh, yeah. 48 hours later, I was a different person. So those are my two most planes, trains, and automobiles stories. Oh my God. (laughs) 
that one probably wins on time alone. I did get stuck once overnight um, after after coming to visit you, Samantha, when you lived in Miami. Um, I had to Justin and I. That was the time that he came to. We had to stay overnight. Like our flight got canceled because our pilot had gone too long, like legally without sleeping. And so they had to reschedule it, but they put us up in a hotel and then gave me a voucher. So then I was able to come back and visit you the next year. So that wasn't so bad. So probably the worst one was trying to fly back out of LaGuardia to get back to Tennessee when like in the first year that my brother um, was living in New York modeling and I had gone up there somehow I went on like a spring break trip where I took like a van with other art students, like, and we went to DC and then drove up to New York from there. And then I had a flight back, but my flight got canceled, but they could fly me to DC. So I did in like the flip phone era, manage to make contact with some friends who had stayed there and get there that night and hook up with them to be driven back the rest of the way to Tennessee in a minivan where the couple who was driving me was in like a bitter fight with one another the whole time. And that just kind of sucked because it was like pre-smartphone days too. And I have rarely felt more stressed in my life than I did arriving in Washington, D.C. at like 21 years old at like 11 o'clock at night and trying to figure out how to find the apartment I was supposed to stay at of people that I didn't know. But all is well that ends well. And I'm here today, baby. God, I, well, well, I have two that are probably more lower stakes. Um, One is, this isn't even, tons of things didn't even go that wrong. It was just, my mom just set me up for failure from the start. Um, She wanted, (laughs) this was in high school, and she wanted me to meet her in Key West And so she set up. So basically, I was like, I'm just gonna have to pull an all nighter because the first flight like from St. Louis left at like 4, like 3am. And so I, I I stayed awake. And at 1am, my dad drove me to the MoX bus station, which is like a shuttle. And it's, it's filled with these random people. And they take you to the airport. And so my dad drops me off. He says, see ya. It's like 1am. I get onto the bus. This is the first time that I'm flying solo. And it's so stressful. And I get to the St. Louis airport. Of course, they they're like, ma'am. And so it TSA detains me for a second shakes me down even though I'm literally I'm like I'm an acne ridden teenager I'm like please let me go and so I almost didn't make my flight from St. Louis to the Miami airport and then my my terminal when I landed was like terminal one I had to get to terminal 100 and like whatever the furthest terminal was from me and I had a 15 minute layover (laughs) because once again my mom had to do it to me and so I run (laughs) I run and of course, I'm wearing Keds because what teenager wasn't wearing Keds? I fully like look down. I am bleeding in my in my shoe um, from a blister, like from running. And um, it's soaking through my shoe. And I'm like, God, I get all the way to the oh, terminal. Oh, God. Right, and Sadie, I must interrupt you. What? The Keds were white, correct? The Keds were white, of course. Oh, red blood of seeping through the white were- Keds. Okay. Keds. I just had to get this image in my mind. God. That's a, that's a biblical. Image that's haunting. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 
I get to the terminal and it's not my flight. And so I'm like, hello, sir, please. And he's like, oh yeah, that got moved. It's actually terminal 50. So I had to run back the way that I had already came. And I was the last person to board. Like they were fully like, we're closed up. And I was like, please. And they were like, okay. So I get on. And then as soon as I land, my mom just puts me in the car. She takes me to a Mexican restaurant. I like nod off in my rice. And then she drives me because she was camping in Florida, right? And so she just drives me back to camp and just leaves me in the car because I'm asleep. And, but like, it's, I mean, it's Florida and it's like June. And so she just leaves me in the car and I'm asleep and I'm like roasting in this closed car. And I, I literally, I wake up and I'm like, I'm like, so hot and I like tumble out of the car and I'm like God. <laughs> so that's number one um, that's very planes is. trains and automobiles ass. you you undersold your um, your travel experiences well I the second one was is strictly automobile it was my mom and I driving to Florida and we were with my aunt and for some reason my mom was like my car is in good shape and it was not and so it broke down it normally it takes like two straight days to drive down to Key West uh, to the keys. It took us like five days because the car kept breaking down. And my mom, like we, like my uncles were driving in a separate car, kind of like parallel to us, like maybe give or take a few hours. And they're both like, like they're tr like, they've been trained in mechanics. And my mom would call them and they'd be like, sorry, should have checked your car before you left. And so they just left us. And um, it was fine, except we, there was a time when the car was broke and it was going to take overnight to fix it. And we found this one hotel and um, it was absolutely ridden with bed bugs. And oh, no. um, I know the... I was young. I think I was like nine at this for this trip. And instead of my mom, like she tried to get another room. There was no other room. And so my mom just shined a light directly in my eyes and gave me like two Benadryl and was like sleep and the light will keep the bed bugs away from you. And I was like, I don't know about this. Um, but I did that. And then the final time that it broke down, we were fully in the Everglades and it was at night and it broke down. And my mom was like, well, we can't get out of the car because I'm afraid that crocodiles will eat you. And I was like, I'm also afraid of that. And so we just slept in the car overnight and I was so scared. <laughs> Um, and then we made it. So, yeah, you know. Sadie, you have excellent travel disaster stories. <laughs> I mean, they're fine. And I'm not even <laughs> counting all of the times that, like, we've made an innocent trip to St. Louis and the weather is like, how about a blizzard? Would you like that? And then we get stranded on the side of the road for like seven hours. That's happened to me more times than I can count. Oh, I was once driving on a section of 80, I-80, when it, when it full on closed because of a blizzard. Like they let the people what? in that section get out of there, but they weren't allowing any new people onto that section like all the on ramps were closed and it was just like good luck everybody get out of the blizzard and all the semis were like jackknifed into like the side of the highway and i was just like <laughs> white knuckled like terrified trying to get to fucking idaho or wherever yeah 
I don't know. I've had some heroin (laughs) driving things. (laughs) Travel. It's a nightmare, but we do it to see the people we love, don't we? We do. We do. We're scaring ourselves. It's 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 not about the destination. It's about the homoerotic enemies to lovers that you make along the way. Exactly. Doesn't this check off basically like every romance trope in the world? Like enemies to lovers, the thing where they're forced to share a bed. What others? I mean, like being stranded together is its own trope, I would say. <laughs> Definitely, um, God, that part when mean Neil after ditching, uh, ditching him and then he sees him like when the train breaks down, like trying to lug that heavy chest and goes across the field to help him carry it. That really did hit me right in the heart. Beautiful moment. So I, I think that this is the one part that I can't remember. It's been I mean, it's been maybe a week or two since I watched the film. Um, what did it give a reason as to why Dell was flying to Chicago from New York? Maybe he was just selling some shower huh. curtain rings, you know? <laughs> Because I was like, sir, I feel like that I would find a less expensive way to go about that. Like, I was just wondering, I was just, I didn't know what his reasoning was for going to Chicago. Do we think that that he literally has no home or just means it in the sense of like, I was making up my family? Um, I do believe the man is homeless. (laughs) Okay. But like (laughs) living in that traveling salesman kind of way. Or is yeah. the shower curtain rings thing a lie too? Where does the lie stop? He was great. Is his name even Del Griffin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was truly talented at lying to people about the shower curtain rings to get them to buy shower curtain rings for different purposes. I don't know. Del just kind of sometimes this is like, this is a little random, but I was having a little bit of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer feels that he is like some weird like, not necessarily nefarious, but definitely like a chaos demon who just popped into the human world here to like fuck with Neil for supernatural holiday reasons about making him appreciate love and family. But instead of Neil ultimately coming to appreciate his wife more, he just fell in love with Dell. Do you think that Neil and Dell fucked off screen? I I don't think so, but somehow Steve Martin's hands or no, Dell's hands ended up in Steve Martin's butt cheeks. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Something happened. Like I Sweet think sex. I don't think that they did yet. <laughs> During I don't think they had sex yet in the part of movie that we saw. But I don't think they were close on. It's going to be night. long after. Yeah, <laughs> they really were. And now I think that think once Neil has kissed? the official like blessing from his wife, like to carry on with his life at the end of the movie, like mm-hmm. I think that night was going to be like the first time of like their sweet, beautiful love making together. Yes. Yes. I feel like they could have hate kiss if Neil would have let himself go there yet. But I think he was still so repressed through most of the span of this movie. And, and I think also he, he wanted to make sure that his wife was okay with it. That's not a conversation you can have over a payphone. You know, (laughs) 
that I've got to watch the end of this movie again. It the is so movie. strange. <laughs> the more I'm, com- I, I think about it, the more I'm like, is this some Mulholland Drive thing where the last 20 minutes is like a death dream? Like they actually died in the car fire and the rest of it is, <laughs> is oh, just is that like what Steve Martin's. In Mulholland Drive. <laughs> uh, spoilers wow, for a 22 year old movie. Oh, I mean, but the I popular saw it. interpretation is that the entire <laughs> thing is is naomi watts's like guilty death dream about ordering a hit on her hollywood girlfriend oh okay i wondered about that my mom made me watch mulholland drive when i was in high school and i just didn't understand <laughs> it at the time okay. <laughs> usually it's the parents keeping mulholland drive away from teenagers but in your household it was <laughs> jen let's watch <laughs> Let's watch this lesbian movie. (laughs) Mom's movie night pick. And she's all like, I think it's time you all were introduced to David Lynch. And that's the one she chose. And we watched it as a family. (laughs) That is incredible. I wish my parents had seen the virtues of, of teaching us about David Lynch while we're young. I will say, I think Mulholland Drive is still the finest movie of the 21st century. I'm not sure it's been topped. I need to watch it again as an adult. I remember obviously finding some scenes very compelling, but being very angry as a 16-year-old that it did not make like narrative sense to me. So Shrek (laughs) came out in the same year. Damn. So I don't know about that. That's trying to place Shrek and Mulholland Drive in the same timeline at all is a little strange. And just thinking about that being the same year is a lot, a lot to grasp, Sadie. That would be like (laughs) if, if cave drawings and like uh, physics were like discovered in the same, in the same year. (laughs) Cave drawings. Wait a minute. Shrek. Which are you saying is the cave drawings, Samantha? (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, How about them automobiles? Automobiles. This is, this is such a queer movie. I'm sorry. It is. Trains don't be sexual tension. (laughs) You are correct. Oh, and when. Remember when RuPaul. (laughs) (laughs) RuPaul. The 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 trains flag. Uh, Beautiful. Now, RuPaul, that was camp. (laughs) Okay. Wait. For those who are, don't know, which you d- absolutely probably do if you're deigning to listen to this podcast, but RuPaul posted a pro-trans tweet and he included a trans flag, but it was not the trans flag. It was the official trains flag um, that he posted. Like, and it was not for the choo-choo trains. Uh, he yeah. did not mean to do that. Um, <laughs> Like, he just clearly Google just Googled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that makes uh, me feel so much better about every silly typo mistake I've ever made in my own life. Thank God it was not on that scale. <laughs> Planes, but like, trans, God, and automobiles. <laughs> trains, trains lives. My God. God. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would have loved it if the whole thing were on a train, but you know, you, you had to fit three things in the title. Yeah. Rule of threes. It had to be different it, modes. Is this the plot of Bullet Train? I have I seen saw it. Bullet Train. Have either of you seen it? No, I've not. I've I got the Brad to. Pitt it right now, which I kind know. of put me off of it. It was pretty fun, you know, as far as like mindless like, oh, action movies go. Our little chick from the kissing booth was in it too, right? She's like That's doing right. action for the year now. I hate her. <laughs> I hate her. Is it like solely because Free of the kissing booth, King. Sadie? <laughs> or do you have other no, reasons? No, she's just. I she's so like her character in the kissing booth is just who she is (laughs) and also I I just I genuinely don't think she's a good actress like I've seen her in various other things and I just don't particularly I I mean all my love to you Joey King if you're listening you're not but um not for me (laughs) not for me she just rubs me the wrong way Oh, Joey King is going to listen to this podcast, is somehow going to end up on a flight with Sadie, mishaps are going to happen, and they are going to discover the true meaning of friendship, Ah. or perhaps love by the end. (laughs) I see it all so clearly now. Yeah. She's going to get bumped out of her first class seat. (laughs) It can be called Private Planes and Chauffeured Automobiles, about uh, Joey King generously giving Sadie a ride. Uh, when Sadie's flight gets canceled and then she's and then Joey King is like what what midwestern buffoon did I invite on my private plane you know as <laughs> <laughs> Sadie tries to talk to her about the city music and I'm like oh <laughs> Sadie's oh, like, and there's, this, <laughs> there's this whole place. It's made out of cement. It's run by this guy named the Cement King. And, and Joey King is like <laughs> looking at her watch. <laughs> <laughs> she would just have me pushed out of the plane. And then that would be good. <laughs> you think Joey King is that cold? Probably. Uh, yeah, 100%. It would become... <laughs> It would become Snowpiercer. She would use Sadie's bones as yeah. as fuel for for the jet. <laughs> Which look, I do. While we're bringing up, you know, RuPaul, can I also say, did we just forget about Taylor Swift being like the biggest carbon polluting like celebrity <laughs> in oh the my world? God. <laughs> yeah, people people did, got excited about the album. And then they got mad about Ticketmaster. Yeah, I think wasn't her defense her representatives it has put out was like, well, that isn't all just her. She lets other people use the jet. And it was like, dot, like, dot, yay. dot. <laughs> this can be the hook for the Sadie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is like a celebrity gets called out for uh, for their like private plane overuse. And then the reps put oh out a statement. Oh my God. That's like, oh, they give other. <laughs> Other people rides it's it's actually not that wasteful and then the press is like well we need proof can we see one of these rides and then you know oh Sadie gets recruited Please. you know uh, and i'm i'm gonna of, say it oh no Jay. say it say Please it continue. no i need to hear well, what i was gonna, gonna complain about something completely irrelevant which is that i believe that there is and i say this every fucking year when spotify wrapped comes around 
there is a conspiracy where I feel like they weigh, like if you listen to one Taylor Swift song, they're like, oh, she's your number one artist of the year. Oh, for sure. And She's I paid to play, know. right? Like like her and oh, Nicki Minaj and some of absolutely. them big time. Like it's so pumped. Like I feel like I have listened to like so much Japanese breakfast, so much Noah Kahan. So like I've listened to so many musical artists and I bet you on my life that Taylor Swift is going to show up just because I listened to the new album a few times to see if I liked it, which I don't, by the way. Oh, yeah. And I just know that it's probably it's gonna going sticker to stick like top to of out. your. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just know Sadie's it favorite artist. So- like I was just talking about this with uh, our dear lovely Kayla because she was like I listen to such little Taylor Swift but according to her like Spotify stats Taylor Swift is like her number two (laughs) she was like well it it kills me it kills me and I will say one final thing that is completely irrelevant to planes trains and automobiles before we get back on track um, to rate question mark is since got getting my record player this year i feel like i that has kind of thrown off my spotify wrapped which if i pause for a moment and think about the concept of like i'm curating my musical tastes for spotify wrapped <laughs> so that i can show people what my spotify wrapped is my brain will explode but um since getting my record player i listen to all of my favorite albums like i have them on on record so i don't really listen to them on spotify that much and i feel like that's going to sh- shift my spotify wrapped in a weird way like oh it will Lola has been my number one artist for the past few years and i'm pretty sure she's not gonna be on this one because i have her albums and i just listen to them at home and i don't listen to them on spotify it's going to anyway. shift down to your more like your like tertiary stuff that you don't listen to as often oh, yeah. will be your highest L- rated. Literally, I was I um there's like a Spotify stats thing that you can check and I have Brian Adams in my like top 10 because I listened to Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> Because I was thinking about that movie and how sad it was. And I'm like, well, if Brian Adams is in my top five, then I just don't know. (laughs) I just don't know anymore. Yeah, this may not be the year for Spotify rap. Mine is like, I did that little one that's going around right now that's like, make your festival lineup. Oh, yeah. And like the one that was for like all time listening seemed somewhat more accurate, although there was like a duplicate in one place and there was some stuff that it's dropped that I was like, where did it go? I know I listened to so much more of that that you know, but <laughs> when I would set the setting to like the most current listens, Justin's repeated playing of this one instrumental Hawaiian music album, like through the <laughs> Xbox to blast in the house has taken over like my entire Spotify. So I'm fully expecting that to be my should. number one listen of the year. Yeah. <laughs> As it should. I, I think I checked for the that fest thing. I checked my all time and like number one was like calming ambient lo-fi. <laughs> Samantha did you did you do that too like the rest of us normies did it give you the magnetic fields what did it put as top of Samantha Fest in in the great divide in this world of Neils and Dells I am a Neil and I listen to (laughs) Apple music 
<laughs> like one of oh. like one of the elite. Um, so yeah, <laughs> only random stuff opens for me on Spotify. Like I'll just accidentally click on something. So it would be like the soundtrack of Spider-Man 2, like, uh, you know, a random magnetic field song, Love is Not Love from the movie Bros. Like I would have a very strange, <laughs> very strange festival. My favorite thing is when people with like formerly like cool age appropriate musical tastes have children and then their Spotify wrapped is all like blippy blippy and blippy singing about construction equipment. God. Um, <laughs> speaking of blippy, should we rate? <laughs> I can't I I, think of a good blip. I will give Planes, trains, and automobiles, three and a half, not actually ivory, I hope, shower curtains out of five. A fun romp, <laughs> Peter Peter Travers, Rolling Stone. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it as much as I enjoy any of these movies where they would actually be liable for like a million dollars worth of damages to like hotels, yeah. uh, cars, and uh, like assault charges against the flight attendant who he verbally berated um yeah Yeah. this movie the sequel to this movie should be steve martin in court for like two years but um (laughs) (laughs) suspending disbelief it's a lot of fun look his wife is gonna leave him but dell will be there through all those court dates I I will give it three and a half stolen cabs out of five. I I would agree with you, Samantha. I it, it is a very funny movie, but sometimes I get so infuriated watching it that I forget that it's supposed to be funny. However, I think that it genuinely has the great markings of a really, really solid rom-com. And of course, 1987, they were not going to lean into that. Not that type of uh, writer's room. <laughs> However, you know, the blueprint is there and it's set up in a way that you could consider conceivably be like yeah within like a week this shit's happening (laughs) like they are fucking so um just watching it from the lens of a rom-com is very funny highly recommend one of the only thanksgiving day films ever made and it's great (laughs) and for that reason i'm going to give it three hopefully genuine moonstone shower curtain rings that make you look like you're as old as 19 uh, whatever he said to those kids to get him to buy it um out of five i was kind of i can't remember what i gave is is roxanne the only other steve martin movie we've done so far on the podcast i believe believe it is i think he was eminently more likable in this as asshole neil in like a you know a homo curious relationship with Dell than he was in Roxanne, and I kind of loved John Candy in this even when his character was terrible. So he is really earning those three stars yeah. for me. He he sold me on this big time. I can't remember what I rated Roxanne. I'm rating it a little lower just because the particular genre of movie, like like you know terrible slapstick travel disaster property damage, just kind of stresses me out personally not so much my genre but john candy was charming and adorable and i see why neil left his wife for john candy at the end of the movie agreed jen what uh where should people take our podcast to 
well, well, well. <laughs> not my, not, <laughs> not my most creative <laughs> end of episode question. A whole new world, Samantha. Well, if you, where would you? I don't. Know, I guess you can take our podcast on your own doomed commutes that are supposed to last four hours and instead take four days. And <laughs> hopefully we have stacked enough enough episodes by now that we can last you through all of that time. You can find us on, speaking of, you know, I don't know, hellish locales where you may have a difficult commute to find us. We are on Twitter at YSSTOG and you can find us at our patreon.com slash YSSTOG if you would like to join our Discord server or um, some other tiers of cool rewards that we have on there to talk about. Ahem, 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 ahem. Oh God, I, okay. Oh <laughs> <laughs> breathe, breathe, okay. Sadie, breathe. Hello, I would like to thank our lovely uh, Patreons, trains, and automobiles. Uh, Logan, Andrew, Sharon, Justin, Evan, Ace, Mara, Ramy the Void, Heartleaf, Ave with Teeth, Ryan, Maddie, Brian, and Brianna. We love you all so very much. Thank you for sticking with us, even if we become as annoying as Del Griffith. Look, we would never throw a lit cigarette in the backseat, no matter how hard we were rocking out to Ray Charles while driving with you sleeping in the passenger seat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 